Welcome back to the 100th episode of Behind the Play. And, uh, you know, I'm really thankful that I've got to, to 100 episodes, but I'm more thankful just for the people I've kind of come alongside with me on the journey. And uh, today I'm with three people that have really helped me out a, a lot on this journey and, and three titans in the sports media um, industry in Ottawa. Uh, I'm first joined by um, the second best pickleball player in Ottawa, besides Daniel Alfredson, Ian Mendez. Uh, then I am as well joined wow. by Kyle Pukoskis, who has the best hair in TV. And then last but certainly not least, the face of TSN and maybe the best athlete in Ottawa right now, Claire Hanna. <laughs> Thanks so much for for taking the time and, and doing this. And before we get started, I just want to say like you guys have been so incredibly kind to me now covering the Senators and uh, just been awesome to to watch you guys from, you know, in your office per se, a little bit like Brady Kachuk right beside the net um, with all three of you. And uh you guys are even better people than you are journalists. So thanks so much for doing this. And this should be a lot of fun. And I'm a, I'm excited for some uh, Ian Mendez, like Brian Gibbons uh, kind of shout outs throughout the podcast. So I'm expecting that. And thanks so much, guys. The kindness hey, stops after this episode. That's right. <laughs> That's it. Did, did you notice that he brought us on? He said we are better people than journalists, but he didn't say anything good about our journalistic qualities. Yeah. He just said Claire's yeah. the best athlete. Kyle has the best hair. I'm a good pickleball player, but he didn't say anything about yeah. our journalistic skills. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. and honestly, say- I've been my biggest goal is just to like do my hair so I can be in the same conversation as Kyle's hair. Yeah. I I just yeah, it's one of those where uh, you know, when you've got uh, something to gripe about with somebody and you go, look, really nice person, but like, I feel that was the the crux of all of our intros. It's a, yeah. a lot of yeah, buts. That's exactly yeah. it. It feels, it feels like yeah. the send season. Yeah, they're good. But yeah. So um, before we get started, I have a fun question for you guys. And it's, it's kind of on the, if you guys went out, all three of you to, to dinner, and I don't know if you guys have ever done this. I should have probably asked before. <laughs> Who who's most likely to grab the bill? We've never done oh, it. Boy. I would say Ian. Yeah. Uh yeah, I think so. <laughs> He's uh well he never lets me p- play for, uh, pay for the the pickleball uh hours. So That's right. I feel dinner is a natural, you know. It would have got the uh the the athletic money now. Um <laughs> oh, I wouldn't yeah. feel bad about it. Yeah, I'm the guy behind the paywall, right? So in theory, and I'm the oldest guy, right? So in theory, I should be picking up the bill. Um, but I would fight for it. I would pretend like, oh, I'll pay for it. I'll pay for it. But then, you know, yeah. I'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Fine. Yeah. And if you insist. Yeah. I, I feel Kyle yeah. would just be the most neutral. Just kind of, let's let's see where this goes. Let's see who pays. <laughs> just go with the flow. That's it. Yeah, it's easy. Just wait for Ian to make the first move and be like, ah, Ian, come on. You don't got to do that. Yeah. That's the move. Um, you guys have obviously been covering the team for for so long. I guess um, just like, but you also call Ottawa home. What what do you think are like some of the underrated features of Ottawa as a, as a city that you know people might not know about just from the outside, but that you guys love? Who wants, Who to, wants to start? Okay. I'll, you <laughs> yeah, know what? You've been here the longest. Yeah. You know what? And I think what's what's great about this is the three of us, Kyle, Claire, and I, we all have kind of Western Canadian either roots or kind of we live there. I, like I grew up in Vancouver. That's where I went to high school. I love the West Coast, but I've lived here now 30 years. Like coming up in September will be 30 years since I rolled into this market as a 17-year-old 
journalism student and I love it. You know, a couple of things I love about Ottawa. One, I think I love the fact that there's multiple universities. Uh, like there's actually a younger vibe to this city than people think people act like it's this kind of stuck up government town, the town that fun forgot. But I think there's a great youthful energy to our city. I love that. And, you know, I'll say this because we've got two kids that are almost out of the school system. Uh, it's a great place to raise a family. Like it's, you feel super safe. You feel, um, you know, like it's a great place to live. So I absolutely, and if we talk about housing prices, we can all agree <laughs> when we match it against Vancouver, nothing touches Ottawa. Kyle and Claire? Claire, you go. Okay, well, I also feel like you, um, I have not been here for that long. You know, like I've only been covering the Senator for two and a half years, but um, what I really appreciate about Ottawa, and I'm an outdoorsy girly, so the fact that there is a lot of cross-country skiing tracks within the city, I don't even have to go farther than a 10-minute walk from my house, and I've got access to, like, minimum 20 kilometers of cross-country skiing. If I drive 30 minutes north, I've got Gatineau. Um, I haven't even discovered half of the things I want to get into in this region. Like, I want to do a canoe trip in Algonquin Park. Um, so I've been really impressed by the outdoor space and the active nature of the city, and um yeah like I, I will say though Ian like I think housing prices are pretty pricey in Ottawa <laughs> I, was, I was expecting you know a little bit more affordability so I, I realized Vancouver is so expensive but I was a university student so I was always trying to find a place for five to seven hundred dollars a month and I succeeded in doing that in nice. some pretty crappy basement suites but um finding affordable housing in Ottawa has not been easy so anyways yeah. Off to off to Kyle now. Yes. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I I, for, I I agree with that point, Clara, a thousand percent. And and I was I was going to mention just the, the outdoorsy part too, like how close everything is. You know, Claire mentioned just the, the cross country skiing. Um, we got into cycling a little bit a few years ago, having the Gatineau Park to go ride in there. Um, you know, to be able to go out to uh, Dunrobin or Carp, um, it's also easily accessible. And I just love like the variety and such a closed amount of 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 space too like going to almont or going um up to cobden like wherever like just all these little different towns in in the valley um that, that you don't have to go you know too far away from is is something that i've really come to enjoy too like um one of the things we love to do like on sundays when i come home from the road like just try to find a different coffee shop to go visit somewhere uh within the the general vicinity and you just get a whole different so many different flavors and and feels for for what this this space can can offer, so I, I really do enjoy that, and and it's a sneaky good like like food town as well. Like, you know, Ian mentioned you know, the the town that that fun forgot. Um, there's there's great spots to to go grab grab a bite, and we don't get out uh, all that often now, especially now that you know, living out in, in Stittsville. It's it's a bit more of a drive to get it closer to downtown and that, but um, there's there's plenty of of great options and um, lots of of really cool local spots to, to try beyond just restaurants. Um, there's a really good, you know, local flavor, uh, to go along with, with a bunch of different categories, uh, that, that Ottawa can offer that we've really come to enjoy too. I, I know like for, for all three of you, like you, you, people would say like, Oh, you guys cover the, the stars, but in a lot of ways you guys are a bit of stars. I'm going to pump your tires here just a little bit. What's it like when you interact with the fan, like the Sens fans here in Ottawa and, and maybe any stories that kind of come to mind? I feel like Ian has like, like just a multitude of yeah, them. Decades of 
two decades of stories of covering this thing. No, I love it. Like, and, and, and I, and Colin Claire could talk about this because, you know, I spent whatever, 12 years on TV. And when you spend that amount of time on TV, you automatically get recognized no matter almost where you go. And like, I, even now I've been off TV for so many years, but, but people will still come up to me and talk about the senators. Like I was just at farm boy yesterday or two days ago and I'm, you know, ordering burgers. Cause it's, 14 degrees in February. And I'm like, I think I get a barbecue and the butcher doesn't say anything to me other than, are we trading Tarasenko? Like, boom, like right off the hop. And, and, and it's a great conversation. And so those happen to me, but it, I'm sure it happens to, to these two just as much. And it's a real honor because um, I've never once, like I take a lot of heat online and that's fine. I've never once had a person come up to me and say anything, even remotely rude. Like it's been so positive and every interaction has been great and everything has been super uh super upbeat so i i love it and i always think like there's going to be a time at some point when people don't remember me or don't know me and so appreciate it and appreciate that the people want to talk about the job that you have yeah i i would agree with that wholeheartedly just that that whole approach to it all because um like i remember when i was a kid growing up like as, as much as i loved watching nhl stars like you know television commentators and like just the personalities you saw on your TV screen, like that was a big deal to, to me as well. Um, so anytime, you know, like a young fan comes up and, and, and says hi or whatever, that's, it's just a really uh, special thing that, that I don't take for, for granted. Um, and, and some of like, and they're, you know, Oh, sorry for bugging you. Like you're, you're never a bother. Like it's, I'm more than happy to, to talk shop with you for, for a couple of minutes, but it's funny, like in, in the age now of, you know, selfies and, um, getting a picture with with somebody like it's it feels um, I don't know sometimes you kind of feel and I'm not complaining or anything but it's just it is a weird space to kind of exist in at times where I don't know sometimes you feel like you're you're like an animal like a petting zoo and people are kind of pointing out at it you're like oh look at that over there or is the hair you know, real someone, can I touch the hair <laughs> so yeah well, that, yeah like that that or you know they come up and and you know hey can I get a photo and yeah absolutely and you take the picture and you want to say like so like you know where are you from kind of like, like are you you know you a sense fan or whatever and they're just like hey great thanks and like they're on to the next thing like they've they've used you for the five seconds they needed you for the picture yeah. and then it's like you're you're gone again so um anyway it's just as I say it's it's I feel so grateful to, to be in the spot and being able to, to interact with so many um different fans of, of hockey or, or sports in, in general um that that are familiar with with me because of what I do for for a living. I, I don't take any of that for granted, but um, yeah, it, it can make for some 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 interesting interactions at times too. But it's it's all part of the fun. I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I would see it as um, a concern in a way in working in TV. If nobody ever said anything, because then I'm worried <laughs> that people are not watching. Because yeah, to yeah. me, the, yeah. the getting recognized is, oh my gosh, I am so grateful that people are interested in my work with the Senators, or whether that's the Women's World Cup, whatever. Um, and it would be a concern otherwise, because then I, I feel like TV and, and writing, we're all in these precarious situations right now with viewership declining. And so I always just find it a really grateful moment. Um, and I think people in Ottawa are so great. Like, the, like there's a guy who lives in my neighborhood and I remember I was grocery shopping and I was in the parking lot and he was like, Clariana, what's up? And I'm like, how's it going? And then I saw him again on the street driving with his kids and he pulls down the window and then he, he DM'd me and this was very kind and he wasn't being creepy, but he's like, Hey, if you're alone here and you ever want to come over for dinner with 
my family, you're welcome to join us, you know, over Easter if you're alone. And I just think that that kind of thing is so kind mm -hmm. because it's just showing that the community cares about one another and, you know, people are just looking out for one another. So I, I find it very flattering, but also important for our industry. <laughs> I, hey, That's where, awesome. Quick question. Where's the weirdest place you've ever been recognized? Like for me, you know, I, I think about this. Sometimes. I was at the San Diego Zoo one time with my family and someone's like, <laughs> this is a really weird question. Are you Ian Mendez? I'm like, yeah, that's me. Like San Diego Zoo. I think is the one for me. What like what about you guys? Most random place that you've ever been recognized? Okay, oh. I've got mine. It's not that random. Go though. For it. it was in Prince Edward County. I think I was in Picton, and it was like a little brewery one summer. But like that's that's not Ottawa, but it's a little removed. But that was the most random, and I don't think it's that random. That's all I can think of. So 2018 Cup Final, uh, Washington, Vegas. We had traveled to Vegas before Game 5, and the off day covered the skates and that at T-Mobile, at and, and we were staying at a hotel like just off the strip. It was about a 20-minute walk from, from the arena. And I'm waiting to walk across um, Vegas Boulevard, and like you think you're like in the middle of the strip. Um, there's like everything going on. And I'm standing at the intersection, and there's uh, a limo at the light. And then all of a sudden, uh, a w uh, window rolls down in the back. I'm like, as the light turns green and they come through the intersection, like some guy sticks his head out the window and is like, it's Kyle Bukowski's, woo! And they just take off. And I was like, oh, my hell. And like everyone else, like no one else reacted <laughs> around me because it's like uh, Vegas. Like people uh, are yelling at each other all the time on the strip. Um, oh. But that was, I did, I, I did not have that uh, expect anything like that, uh, that place of all places. I know we were there covering hockey at the time. Um, but as you know, that's just one small part of, of what's going on on the strip on any given day. So that was a, a weird one. Note to Sens fans, if you see Kyle Bukowskis, do that. that that's, that's... <laughs> Vegas, I love it. That's such a flex in Vegas, Kyle. I feel like to get recognized yeah. on the strip there. Because I'm sure all the other people around you were like, oh my God, who's this guy? I think like they were like, who are they talking about? Like, I'm sure they had no idea. Anyway, <laughs> it was just, I, I don't know. I don't know if it was like a bachelor party or guys were there for the, the game the next night. But anyway, they were having a good time. It looked like fun. It's like all the people that are just big on TikTok and you have no clue who the heck they are. That's, that's you, Kyle. That's you're in your own. Yes. Little... Yeah. People have no idea who the heck I am. That's the great, great descriptor. Uh, uh, <laughs> to to just like to your jobs, and I will I will compliment you uh, now, Ian, and, and everyone else. Just like watching you guys um, do your work, and you guys are so good. Such great questions, obviously on TV. You, you guys do such great broadcasts, but I you know obviously I think a lot of journalism students, people like who want to make in it, into this industry, would look to you three as kind of pillars and people to look up to. Maybe what advice? would you give to, to young aspiring journalists in, in the sports media industry? This is just Alex's way of trying to mine information from us. Hey, this isn't, <laughs> that this is isn't for it. other people. This is for you. Uh, <laughs> you know, I like, and I'm really fortunate. I've been able to, to teach at Carleton uh, in the journalism program last few years. And, and one of the things I'm super, super passionate about is trying to help young people in the industry, trying to help new people uh, get in. Cause it can be intimidating. Uh, you know, the, the piece of advice I try and and give them as they're coming into this industry is um, I often will tell young reporters, have big ears 
and a little mouth. Meaning, hmm. like, and I don't mean that in a derogatory. Like, just just try to take in stuff. Uh, you know, listen to everything, pay attention, and you don't have to come in there and assert yourself. So, and I hate that it comes off so crudely as have big ears and a little mouth. But, but I I, <laughs> I think it it um it's just more of a mindset of just just be respectful of people and but and if you find older reporters aren't helpful to you that's not on you as a reporter that speaks to them as you, you will find enough reporter uh you know Kyle and Claire would be two uh that they're so helpful to young reporters like find people you'll never have a hard time finding people to give you advice but just take that advice to heart and 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 don't feel like you have to come in and and sort of blow everybody away and, and impress everybody right off the hop yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. I remember one of my first few days at Sportsnet shadowing Arash Madani, and that was one of his lines. It was like, keep your eyes and ears open and, and your mouth shut. That was his advice for me at the time. Like, And it's so true. Like, it's have a bunch of questions. It's totally okay that you don't have much answers in, in the early going. Um, that just comes with time. And even, I mean, I'm doing it for 10 years now. I still feel I have maybe, I don't even have half the answers that I would, would like to have at this juncture. Um, but it just comes with with learning and, and being around it. So, um, I, yeah, and, and for me, it's 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 that it's uh, like taking it. I, I don't know. I, I got such a uh, the reason why I, I got an opportunity at, at, a, at a young age to, to be somewhere you know, like sports. was because I, I took tried to take advantage of, of every opportunity that I could prior to that. Um, like when I was going to school in, in Calgary. Um, I, I did all that I could outside of the classroom, what was required for the actual program I, I was in, um, like doing commentary for, um, you know, men's and women's basketball on campus, men's and women's volleyball. Like I had no idea how to call a volleyball game, um, but I, I just, I, I wanted to try. And, and, and that led me to meeting somebody that had a connection to Sportsnet that ended up opening that door uh, a little while later. Um, so had I just kind of stuck to, you know, what, what was being asked to me in order to graduate. Um, I, I'm not sure what I would be be doing right now. I certainly wouldn't be, you know, being part of this, this terrific conversation here um, with you all today. So that's, that's kind of one that uh, I know you, you hear a lot, but um, I, I lived it and, and uh, I, I really do believe that, um, you know, at the Elliott Friedman line, the right people are, are always watching. Um, so if you're, you're putting yourself out there and trying to take advantage of, of different opportunities that, that could be there, even if they're not the glamorous ones uh, initially, um, it, it could lead to something that, that maybe you're, you're more attracted to and, and more passionate about down the road. And for me, I, I always tell people that there's two things. I think there's a lot of different roads to get to your dream job. Um, like I think the old traditional pipeline, and I argue I might've been one of the last people, journalists to go through that old pipeline because so many of the jobs that I had don't exist anymore. You know, like starting in Lloyd Minster and then going to city television in Edmonton and then going to global Saskatoon as a reporter, as a VJ and then CTV or Journal. like that pipeline, some of my jobs have been eliminated. Um, but my advice is to be very flexible and learn how to do a lot of different things because I don't think the roles that are just singular exist anymore. They want you to be able to do social media. And so if somebody right now is in journalism school and they want to be a TV reporter, I'm like, well, why wouldn't you just do some TikToks where you're reporting on a basketball game um, in a different format? Be creative, think differently because the mediums that existed 20 years ago almost don't, don't exist the same way today. 
And I think in five years, even in a year or two from now, they're going to look different. So get creative with your storytelling. Um, and, and one more point, this is kind of similar to what Ian was saying about big ears, small mouth. Um, and I'm stealing this from Chris Hadfield, but I think he's a mm. genius. He, in his book, he, um, he says that sometimes when you're entering a new position or a new situation or a new job, everybody tries so hard to be what he calls a one. You start as a zero, but if you try too hard to be a one, so you can get in people's way, you can get annoying and just, you can become quickly a negative one and to recover from being a negative one is really hard. So if you go into a new position, try to be a zero and that's where you're listening and just taking it all in and absorbing and, and almost, I, I don't want to be misconceived with, do, with doing the bare minimum, but just try to observe what's happening. And then you're very likely to become a positive one. But yeah, just, I think a lot of people try to do too much and be too impressive. And that ends up being um, a hindrance. Mm, that's really interesting. I guess on that note, just, you get, you know, you guys are all in almost you Claire, you mentioned dream job. What is like the best part of, of the job for either or all of you? Getting paid to watch sports. <laughs> Sorry, I just stopped it, man. I don't feel like I work. Sometimes when I'm covering things, I'm like, wait a second. I am being paid to be here. Like, this is something that I would pay money to attend, but I get to be here. And not only do I get to be here, I get to go behind the scenes. I get to go on a bench. I get to talk to this athlete. I get to do things that people would only dream of doing. I just, I can't believe sometimes mm. that this is something that I get to do a living doing. <laughs> do you have a pinch me moment, Claire? Okay, but well, I want to hear them too. Okay. And then I'm my well, Christine Sinclair probably interviewing her in her very last match ever for Canada. I would say that was a yeah. major career highlight cool. and I don't know if it'll ever get matched. Uh, that was awesome. Ian. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll uh, go. Sure. No, I, I like similar, like it just being able to be like when I first thought about working in this, this world, like I, I wanted to be an anchor, be on the desk, read highlights. Um, I never really thought about being in the field and, and actually attending games, big events. Uh, and, and now that that's what I do, uh, it's, it's man, really, really special being able to witness some of these moments that ended up being, you know, memorable for for years and years down the line um moments in, in sports outcomes of games playoff series uh, you name it um things that, that yeah I, I never would otherwise have a, a chance to to witness you know firsthand um that's that's really cool um you know being on the ice after the stanley cups handed out and just you know being right in the the face of all the emotion of, of the players and their families and and staff that that just you know reached their ultimate goal um i mean that really makes just the the long season and, and all the work that you do leading up to that, uh, you know, very, very much worth it. Uh, it's, it's, it's really special. Yeah. I, you know what I'd say for me, and, and I think Kyle and Claire would agree because we're three uh, very lucky individuals that we right now, we work for companies and entities that are willing to spend money on travel. And we've all had mm -hmm. a chance to do some pretty unique uh, trips. I've had a chance to go overseas in the last year with, with the athletic, uh, I'm going to California next week, uh, to cover the deadline. And I'm mindful of that. I I'm really appreciative. I, and I try to really live in the moment. Every time I take a trip, I think to myself, okay, like if this is it, if this is the last trip you take, because 
the industry is changing, like appreciate it, like really appreciate mm. how lucky you are. And and I've been really lucky to go all over the planet, uh, whether I was working with Sportsnet. Um, the beauty of TSN radio is I think the longest trip I ever took was to Montreal. So that <laughs> that was the budget at TSN 1200. It was like, oh, maybe you can go to Montreal. Uh, but but that was about it. But but again, now with the athletic, I get the travel. And I think Colin Claire would agree when you get to go places like it's pretty neat. Like a lot of people would take these trips. Like Claire said, you can't believe you're being paid for this uh, to go visit these cities and go do these things. And on top of that, you're, you know, it's kind of your job. So that, to me, that's the always been like the, the really cool aspect. I'd always love to get paid to go to Australia, Claire. That would be. I, I, I know. I know. I was going to chime in. I sometimes like sacrifice my sleep and health when I travel because like, for example, I remember arriving in Australia and we didn't know if we'd ever get back to Sydney. We had one day in Sydney to acclimate to the time zone change. But I was like, screw this. Like, I want to see the Sydney Opera House. And I'm going, I'm like doing everything I can in these 12 hours of daylight, because if I never make it back to Sydney, I don't want to regret sleeping yeah. off the jet lag in my hotel room. <laughs> like, so I, I mm. go so hard in my time off around prep and events in cities just to experience that. Wow, that's interesting. Do you have a favorite city in the NHL for any three of you to be on the road? I feel like oh. I haven't traveled as much as these guys, but for me, um, I love New York mm. and I just, it's an amazing city and, you know, it was so much energy and I MSG is iconic. So I would say, yeah, but, but I've, I've been to, I mean, these guys have been everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, I because sometimes I'm looking at it through like just the coolest city to be at, and then also sometimes it's it's like convenience the the arena you're working in if it's a better setup or just better atmosphere. Like like I love going to Tampa for example because it's a great building, great crowd. I mean the team's been competitive for for so many years. But in terms of the downtown now, I mean it's changing, but it's not like a New York or a Nashville or a Vegas. Like it's nothing like that. Um, but I still love love going there. Weather typically is pretty good. Um, but yeah, Ve Vegas is up there. Nashville for sure and then it, like even like I throw Montreal in there where um, like we're there quite often because it's close I lived there for a couple of years um, great place to visit but you know again it's it's being able to be in, in that that building especially on a Saturday night like it's just for any Canadian sports fan like that's that's got to be right up there on, on the bucket list of things you want to get to experience before it's all it's all said and done so those are the ones that that you know get get real exciting for for me. I, I was excited today. I found out that I've got I've one up Kyle. He's never been he's never experienced mullet magic uh, <gasps> at, at Mullet Arena. And I've done it a couple of times. Have you done it, Claire? Yeah, but I went just it was funny. I went last year over All Star Week. Um, like the senators were off a little longer. And so I watched them play the wild and I loved it. But I went yeah. as a fan. Yeah, it's a great, you know what? And 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 I understand they can't stay there forever because of the economics, but boy, it's a college-like atmosphere. It's really cool. I I thought it was really neat. I, I thought it was pretty cool to be on a campus of a of a college and you're watching an NHL game. But I'm with Claire hundred percent. Give me Midtown New York, give me Manhattan, give me that as like my my one place where I could cover the NHL. That would be my choice. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I've never been to to MSG, but uh, I'll I'll take uh, Long Island. That's that's my New York experience. I've I've been to their new barn. But as as best as I can segue, I'm gonna go to the Senators. Obviously, all three of you know them very well. Um, but obviously, they have a new 
new ownership and Lauer uh, coming to the fold. I know Claire, you did a really great feature on him. Ian, I know you know him a bit a well as well. Um, just what are all for all three of you? What are your kind of your first impressions of of Ann Lauer and the new ownership group in his first six months? I I need to go last year. I feel like I'm always jumping in and and saying things. So I'm going third. Kyle hasn't gone first yet. Go yeah. Kyle. There right. we go. Well, I, I was gonna say I've spent the least amount of time uh, around the team this year than than uh, any of us here in this chat. So I don't know if I wanted to go first, but uh, I mean just just a real professional. I mean clearly there's there's a there is a focus and, and a drive there to to get to where he wants things to be. Like there's a reason why he's he's been so successful in in business um, beyond just uh, just sports and, and getting to a point where uh, he's in a position to to own a, a National Hockey League franchise. So um, there certainly is is a drive there, and um, you know I, I enjoy the passion. And it's funny, like after that uh, after. That the Ottawa Toronto game here a couple weeks ago with uh, the Ridley Gregg empty netter and all hell breaking loose. Um, there was I I won't say the players just because I, I I was ninety nine percent sure I, I knew what the the conversation was, um, but I wasn't totally sure. So I, one player sought Anlar out in the hallway. He was down out in front of the by the dressing room afterwards, and I'm pretty sure the conversation was around like, okay, how how can we uh, you know, eliminate the amount of blue and white sweaters that, that come into the building for those mm. games. Now, I mean, it's kind of a fruitless conversation to have because you're ultimately, you know, unless Sens fans all just decide they're going to keep their tickets, um, there's always going to be that component. But um, like he was, at, you know, engaged in the conversation, like, oh, yeah, we've, we've got to find a solution here. Like there's just, uh, there's such a passion to, to want to, to have a, a team that, that succeeds. You know, he, he did it in Hamilton. Um, you know, he was part of the, the group there in, in Montreal that uh, continued to, to grow their, their franchise value. Uh, they had the couple of playoff runs over, over his time and uh, the one in the bubble or shortened season in 2021 there too. But um, I, yeah, I, I, I think in my time, it's just been not, not a lot of interactions with them, but um, just, just very, very astute. But, um, I think there's there is a, a fire burning there inside to to make this team uh, competitive sooner than later for sure. And I would agree with a lot of what Kyle said. I think he's got obviously tremendous entrepreneurial um, acumen. Um, and you know, like further to the story that I did with him in Montreal, he's he's kind of comes from this underdog background, but I think he really brings that into his professionalism. And like he clearly has a major passion for hockey. And then I think in taking on the senators as the owner, he he's like, this is an underdog team and he wants to elevate the team and do what he can to win. And I think he's just like, wants to be like, screw you to the big markets like like Montreal and Toronto and, and do what he can to elevate the senators. And um, I think similar to what he said at the first time when he was officially announced as the owner, you know, it's kind of like a marriage. He's excited, he's nervous. Um, I think he's taking things at a really good pace. You know, he could have come in and totally changed management and coaching immediately, but he wanted to evaluate things and get a feel for how how they were. And then he makes changes as he sees fit. So I think, um, yeah, I'm interested to see some of the alterations he makes in the future, especially with his coaching um, role. And I know that's not always him, that's Steve Steos as well, but yeah, I'm very interested to see his direction with the club, but it's only been five months. So we've got a small sample size. Yeah, I, I would say like he is the most normal down to earth NHL owner I've dealt with. And now granted I've probably only dealt with you know eight or ten or whatever over the years, but but I feel like it's a decent amount of 
uh, billionaires that I've dealt with. Uh, <laughs> and he's the most normal one. He's the most down to earth, regular guy. Uh, he pays attention to the media coverage. He's not, uh, he's okay with criticism. I've had these conversations with him. I, I said, look, and, and in fact, the first, as soon as he, like during, I don't know where, where Kyle and Claire were on this, but like during the entire uh, sale process, like I didn't bother him. I, I didn't bother all, like that wasn't, I did, I just stayed out of that part of it. I didn't feel like that was something I wanted to do. But the day he got the team in June, I sent him a note. I had, I, I you know, traits down his contact info uh, and uh i sent him a note and he wrote me back i tell you within 90 seconds and he wrote me back and this is on an email he wrote me back in 90 seconds and he's like hey ian thanks for the note really looking forward to getting to know you whatever and you know from that point on uh we've had a really good professional relationship and, and the one thing i've told him and i was so and i told him this uh so i was in montreal with him the day Claire did the sit down, I got some time with him and I sat down and as I was sitting down with him and I said, I'm so happy you're doing this with Claire. I said, and I'm happy you're having this conversation with me because this is what you need to do. You need to be talking to Kyle and Claire and Wayne Scanlon and Bruce Garriock and TSN 1200 and, 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 and I, I think that's really important. I, I don't think you want to get into a situation where you're only speaking to one entity or, or a Toronto radio station uh, like we had seen in the past. And he gets that. He's not from here, but he gets it. And the fact that he bought a place here and he wants to live here, um, he was super irritated that he couldn't skate on the canal this year. Like he mm. wants to be part of our city. He wants to be part of our community. So I really enjoy Like he's just a – he seems – like sometimes I almost feel like he's too regular. Like I'm like, okay, hang on here. Like – how did you accumulate this much wealth? Like, I feel like we're all normal people. How come we don't have $2 billion? Cause I always think to accumulate that type of wealth, I honestly, I do think that there has to be a level of like, you got to have a killer instinct usually to acquire that type of wealth. Like you have to have, I don't, he must have it in the boardroom, but he sure as heck doesn't seem to have it when he's, when he's just kind of shooting the breeze with us. Ian, is he more real than Snoop Dogg? Just, I know you would know. Oh, that you want to talk about, you know, like Claire's moment of your, your pinch me moment for an interview. Like when, 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 when uh, Claire said she interviewed Chris, uh, Christine Sinclair, that's mine for sure. Snoop Dogg. Like I still have the whole thing recorded on my laptop. <laughs> it's saved as Snoop.mp4. Uh, <laughs> like it's the greatest, like it's the most surreal interview I've ever done still to this day. How, how much this will be, that'll be like uh you know like they're, they're going through all the archives of like prints and stuff that was unreleased after he passed right that'll yeah. be somewhere down the line i'll be like oh we've got to find the the ian mendez interview with snoop dog it'll be unearthed and uh this grand release wait can i swear on this podcast yeah. It's, yeah, not really my, it's not really my brand but i want to tell a story here real quick of like again this is not me swearing this is snoop swearing okay <laughs> so I'm asking him about hockey or whatever. And he's like, like he's going off about how he used to be an LA Kings fan, like way back. He's like, and this is Snoop. This isn't me. This is Snoop. And he's like, I was an LA Kings fan when they were wearing purple and gold. I watched motherfucking Marcel Dion. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think I've ever heard Marcel Dion's name be kind of, you know, prefaced by that. And I was like, this guy's real. Like he's legit. Who says MF uh, Marcel Dion? Like he did. Like it. It was awesome. Like it was just like this surreal. 
I can't believe like, and, and, they, and by the way, real quick, they told me uh, like his handler was like, Hey, he will call you within the next 24 hours. So can you imagine the angst you have as a reporter? Like, how quick your shower would be, how quick you're, you know, you're bringing your phone with you everywhere, looking down to see like, you know, is S dog coming up on the caller ID? Uh, <laughs> Wait, what did it come? You know, sometimes Snoop D. No, Actually? no, 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 no. It, was it, it, come up, it was a, it was a block number, private number. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so he, you, you can't even follow up. You can't text him. As soon as the call's done, it's shoot him a note back. Yeah. Thanks Snoop. No. It's over. Oh, man. It, was a, it was a one and done. <laughs> How much did you try to, with your editors, talk about Mr. Dog said or Snoop said? Well, well in, at that, so yeah, exactly. And we were, you know, the New York Times had taken over us at that point, And their grammatical rules are, would be like said Mr. Dog, right? Like <laughs> <laughs> said Mr. Dog. Uh yeah, uh, I was watching like the LA Kings. Book. I was watching the LA Kings, Kings since motherfucking Marcel Dion said, "Mr. Dog." No, uh, so uh, I don't know. Like, uh, I don't know how we end. I think we ended up just going with Snoop in the end. Like, says Snoop. Snoop said, which still seems hilarious. So, this is so comical. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where to go from here. Uh, I guess my to to Steve Steos um and and uh, Dave Poulin. I I know just for you, like three knowing Dave, how cool is it just to see someone that you work with now being part of the front office? Is that kind of weird? Well, yeah, it was so weird because I felt like I'd been working with him a week and a half prior, and I'm like, whoa, wait, hold on, this isn't my teammate anymore, and this is somebody that I you you kind of almost wonder how you switch sorry we're always professional but okay does that relationship change how does it alter do i reference his, him as pooley in interviews like yeah, that's a joke i wouldn't do that but I, but i'm also you're really happy for him too because he was an amazing teammate and always had an open line so for example if i wanted to talk to him because obviously he had general manager experience um as a tsn analyst but if i had questions about the cap space or how a trade might work from a logistics perspective. I knew I could call him and he would always give me the time of day because he wanted to help a teammate out. So he was just a really great person to work with. And I figured that would probably extend to him with the senators too, you know, like he'd still be easy to work with and I could probably reach out to him about things. Now it's, you know, it's a bit different now, but yeah, he's, it's it's great to see good people land in good places. Ian, Kyle, I, I thought I, ne I never I never worked with him, uh, but I knew him a little bit when he was still part of uh, Toronto's management. But I thought you know once he got into the broadcast side and and whether he was in studio or, or in the the broadcast booth at the rink. Uh, we were just marveled, just thought like, this is like an incredible teacher here. I just thought that the tone of his voice, uh, how he articulated things, it was so digestible and, and easy to understand. So um, I saw the news that, that the senators had hired him. I just thought, yeah, like, wow, they're getting a, a great teacher who has been around the game, around the sport in, in so many different avenues and roles and, and positions uh, for so long. Um, yeah, what a what a great asset to have in, in any organization, uh, let alone a National Hockey League franchise. Yeah, and, and I think on Steve, on, on Steos, like, I think there's a level of professionalism and, like, a polished nature to him 
in his in his any interview that he does, uh, everything like he does is very calculated, deliberate, meticulous, and I think that's exactly what they need. And I I really like working with him. I've gotten a chance to kind of very on the outside, get to know him a little bit. Uh, I'm still working really hard. just as I'm sure all everyone else in this call is working hard to try to create a, prof- and again, I always say, I'm not trying to be friends with anybody. I don't create friendships. I want to create relationships with, with these guys. And I want to create a relationship with him where if he doesn't, and I think we have it, but like, if he doesn't like something I write, I want him to reach out to me and light me up and we can have a conversation and, and have a back and forth. And um, I, I do feel like he's accountable. And I, I think that's great. I think Dave Poole, I, I, Claire talked about it. Like he's, he's one of those guys that I worked at TSN uh, on the radio side and, and had Pooley on all the time as a guest. He's just, he is the epitome of professionalism and class and all the things, all the attributes you want in senior management. So I, I think th- these two guys are, are perfect to sort of be the face of the, the hockey operations department. Best in class. Um, <laughs> I want to just like go off that a little bit. Like, I think it's going to be so fascinating just to see what the Senators do, specifically Steos and Poulin. Like, what do you, what are the, what do you expect the Senators to do? Any of you at the deadline? Any big splashes? Uh, does the Josh Norris injury change anything? Just, um, what do you think will happen there? When's this going to air? Uh, tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly exactly big trade so one of you guys break it yeah uh <laughs> well i got nothing to break but i i don't think i mean i think uh, beyond tarasenko like i i'm not i'm not sure there's going to be anything uh of of great magnitude to to go on between now and 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 the deadline that's just my sense like of any you know big uh restructuring I, I feels more in the summer, maybe around the draft or, or even beyond then where, where teams are in a different situation cap wise. Um, we're all expecting it to, to go up by a considerable amount next year. Um, and then it's just more of a, an easier conversation to have to, to, to make a, a deal happen. So um, yeah, but over the next week and a little bit here, um, that's, that's kind of the one that, that I'm looking at, but even like the, I don't know, the chicken run guys, if, if that is to, to happen and they decide to, to move on there, I, I just I feel it could be, you might have to, you have to get really, really creative with, with a dance partner there in order to, to make that one fit. And I'm just in terms of teams that could use him right now. Um, I, I'm not sure how many have the, the room to, to make a, a deal happen, but anyway, that's my, my feel. Hmm. Ian Claire? You know, I'm like always apprehensive on weighing in on this kind of thing, but um yeah, I think I think the Tarasenko one is the very obvious one. But I, I wouldn't be super shocked if there was maybe maybe somebody else shopped around. I don't know, maybe it doesn't happen, but just to see what kind of return they can get. And I, I don't want to throw names out because I feel like that could kind of blow up, but mm-hmm. just, it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if there was, okay, like there's a couple untouchables, but it, you know, maybe that next layer of player, if, if they can get a lot in return, I, I wouldn't be shocked. Do you think like, yeah, I, I, sorry, Alex is going to title this headline podcast, 
Blair Hanna sends, wouldn't be shocked if Batherson or Shabbat is moved. Like, <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say that. The aggregators. No, 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 but I, you know what? You just did. I 100% agree with, with Claire's assessment. I think there's three untouchables on this roster. To me, it's Brady Kachuk, it's Timmy Stutzla, and it's Jake Sanderson. And I think after that, you don't get to miss the playoffs seven years in a row and everybody gets a free pass doesn't work that way so you have lost as a group collectively not this is not on any individual but collectively you have lost the right to run it back in september you just have so at some point you need and there's only certain points in the calendar where the nhl ecosphere uh is kind of like open to trades and this is one of them and then the next one is at the draft and that's about it. Like in terms of the times when the like general managers are super eager, that's there's only a couple of pressure points. And so I'm with Kyle. Like I I don't know that this is the time to move anybody with significant term or contract on their deal. But but I also agree with Claire. If you're if you're Steos and you're Ryan Bonus and you're Dave Poulin, why wouldn't you talk to other teams about some of these guys, see what their value is, see what other people are thinking about them, and then make those decisions maybe down the road. But yeah, there shouldn't be like eight untouchable guys on a team that is no. careening towards missing the postseason in seven straight years. That's nonsense. Yeah, totally. It's amazing that this is going to be the franchise record. Like considering how it started here in 92, yes. that they didn't go this long. It's it's That's still... That's my Roman Empire some days. I, I think back to the... I've been thinking so much about the Oilers in that decade of darkness and how many first-round picks they had. Yes. You know, whether it was... Um, yeah, Or Taylor Hall. And, you know, how many were shipped out because there was no success. And I'm like, at what point is that going to have to be the same story for the Senators? Totally. Yeah. And and talking about the, you know, the 90s, Jacques Montaigne... Uh, took charge and then they started making the playoffs and obviously he's probably not going to be the coach next day. I think he basically came out and said it yesterday, but what, what, what do you think the next coach of the Ottawa senators going into next year needs to kind of provide to this team? Is it maybe more of a hard ass? Is it, you know, maybe a more veteran coach? Like what do you think this team needs in terms of a coach? I like the idea that I opened up the door to casual swearing. Now there you go. Podcast. No there kidding. Uh, like I, I, like I think, that this organization for years, the perception has been they've gone on the cheap for head coaches, that they've mm -hmm. never gotten an established. So think back to way back, like Corey Clouston and Dave Cameron, and even to some extent, Guy Boucher, but certainly DJ Smith, people are like, ah, you're just going on the cheap. If they go that route this time, and the obvious name here would be John Gruden, and maybe John Gruden is the best candidate, they are going to have to do a sell job in this market to a very skeptical fan base who's going to say, mm, I'm not sure that that's the right guy when Craig, Craig Berube is out there. So I think if you get a Stanley Cup winning coach like a Craig Berube, I think he comes with a lot of the built-in elements that you need. He's a bit gruff. He's accountable. He's He is a bit of a player's coach too, but but he kind of yeah. can, can... He grinds. He, he, yeah, but he can do it both ways. Brady would really know him from the St. Louis connection. So... Mm. There are some things that you wouldn't have to sell Craig Berube internally and externally. If you go the John Gruden route, you're going to have to do a sell job. And I'm not saying that he's not the right coach. I'm just saying you have to sell it to this fan base and tell us why he's the right guy. And with that, the, the expectations next year have to be playoffs, right? It can't be another retool. 
or am I am I wrong? Are we are they? No, I I don't think you can't go backwards. I don't think like it's been it's already been the longest drought in franchise history. Uh, so whatever is done, uh, how major the surgery is over the off season, presumably um, if there is change, that's when the the majority of it happens. Um, it's got to be with an eye on being a playoff team next year because you've got good guts here. There's no question. Like you've got you've got a good foundation built, um, but uh, perhaps you got to switch. You know, maybe you thought the master bedroom was going to be on the second floor. Maybe it's better on the main floor here, just kind of around <laughs> by the stairs. Like there's there's still some some you got to rework the the blueprint. I think is from when you initially set out to to build the thing. Do you think get a better ensuite? That's right. Well, I, yeah. I also think like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting the same result. And so there's clearly something not working. Is is mm. it the coaching? Was that it? Or was it is it something deeper than that? And maybe you do have to do a bit of a like a bigger rework. You know, like maybe you're building like a infill house in the backyard for the master bedroom. I'm like just trying to point <laughs> off of this analogy. <laughs> But I, I just think that there's something clearly missing because if you're going seven years without making the playoffs, that's a big lag. And why, how could you expect the playoffs next year if you don't make big changes? That's ridiculous. So I'm, I don't know. It's just to me, something has to change. And maybe it is, maybe it's almost like a mini rebuild again. And I hate to say that, but if this yeah. isn't working and you've already had some of these players who everybody thought took the next step, like, within the last year or two, well, they haven't taken a step, then what do you need to add? Maybe you need to add, get rid of some young talent for some mid veterans who bring this experience of like maybe playing in Stanley cup finals or winning world championships or something like that. I, I want to expand a little bit on, on, I want Kyle to walk me through some of the pros and cons of moving your master bedroom to the main <laughs> level. Like what, what would be the benefit of you have a master well, bedroom on the second level, you bring it yeah. to the main level. Why? Yeah, well, see, here's the thing. I, I grew up, the house I grew up in, our kitchen uh, was on the second level. And I, I understand now that's kind of a unique uh, layout. But when I, growing up, that's all I knew. Uh, so I, that was always very normal to me, to like walk in the house and go upstairs to where the, the kitchen is. I understand I'm mind blown right now, Kyle. What the heck? You're a Honestly, you went upstairs yeah. to your kitchen? Like, I cannot yeah. even conceptualize yeah. this. I'm, I'm, what? <laughs> Yeah, that's that's how it was. That's how that's how our house. It still is. Like my parents still live in the same house. Um, it Man, it works more than weird. fine. Were you on the river again? We weren't. Uh, nope. No. 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 About uh, just up the hill. Uh, but that was that. That was the way it was done. I don't know. Was it more commonplace? And it was built in the late '80s. Um, yeah, my dad. I mean kind of quarterback the the project for it. Um, I don't know. Maybe that was just the the cheaper way to go about it then. I have no idea. Were so, all the bedrooms uh, on the main floor? So the ones that we used were all up on the, the second floor. Like they were like what's now become spare room and storage rooms were on the kind of the main level, like ground level. Um, we had the, the built-in garage uh, that took up space too. Um, you know, just, just a lot of storage rooms were kind of on the main level. And then like you'd go upstairs to like where you kind of lived and did uh, most of your hanging out in. But anyway, I'm glad this is the direction. Was on the main floor. Uh, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It was on the. It was on the second floor. Um, so yeah, why? Why would the the master be on the main floor? Good question. Yeah. I don't know. But like, 
Sure. You got to try something, right? It's been seven years, and you're like, I don't like my house. Um, Cal's deflecting. He's the, the master bedroom on the main floor. Yeah, he's yeah. No, I I love where I grew up. Are you kidding me? I, it's like my favorite place to go visit. Um, I just love that this is the direction we've we've gone. Well, I, I, it's I'm gonna need you, Kyle, at some point next time you're at home, wherever. Just take a quick video of like kind of walking into <laughs> your house, so we can yeah. in our mind, like we can visualize this and send it into this group it, chat. It, it's one of those architecture uh, digests, like yeah. welcome to the Bukowskis home, and yeah. here here's everything. Here's, here's the master bedroom. Right. Yeah. Crips. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Cribs, MTV Cribs. Um, yeah. Anyway, I got no other way to explain it. And that's just, that's, you did what, that was all I knew. That was normal. And, and I guess for the Senators, all they've known is is not the greatest goaltending. I, I guess I want to go to that as best as I can. What do you think they need to do in net, Ian, maybe uh, going forward? Ah. <sighs> Boy, um, I don't I don't think you can run it again, to use that phrase, running it back. I don't know you can come back with these two guys. You're you're getting sub 900 save percentages on a on a fairly consistent basis here. Like and that's a problem. Um, and, and part of it is on the, the guys in front of them, for sure. But you wonder what this team would look like with league average. Uh, say percentage. The Corpus Allo deal, I, I wrote the day that they signed him, I wrote, uh, here are the dangers of signing goalies to a five-year deal when they switch teams. And the obvious red flag that I try to point out is like, is the Jack Campbell. Like, you got to be mm -hmm. careful. Like, there's a lot of pressure that comes on these athletes. They're moving to a new market. It's Canadian. Things can get, start to, to kind of uh, you know, snowball in a hurry. And I think that's what's happened to Corpus Allo here is that he's just never felt comfortable enough. Now come back next year with a new coach, maybe, but like there's no more 10 or 15 game trial run for this team. That's the, been the problem in October and November. You don't get that, that bit of runway. So I would look to do something creative. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's probably going to require you eating some salary somewhere taking a hit somewhere else, but you can't come back. And like Claire said the, uh, about the definition of insanity, I don't know that you can just run back with the same goalies and expect them to suddenly provide you with a nine ten save percentage. Um, from, from that, like, obviously, uh, you know, the Suns haven't made the playoffs for seven straight years. And now there's a new team in town with PWHL Ottawa. And I know Kyle and Ian, you're a uh, season ticket members and uh, or holders and, Claire, you covered the game last night. Just how cool has it been to see the success of the team in Ottawa? And does it almost validate that the, a downtown arena would really do wonders to the, you know, the Senators if they got that one day? Well, first of all, I think the team's looking for more success because they only have four wins in their season. But I, I know you're referencing just the uh, the crowd support yeah. and just how many how many fans are really embracing the team, and that is amazing. And every time I go to the game, I see so many young girls and boys with signs, mm -hmm. you know, that say things like, if you see it, you can be it, or just like girl power, all that stuff. It's just amazing to me as a former female athlete to see that they're inspiring this generation and that these young girls now have something that if they're playing hockey, they know that there is going to be a place for them to possibly play. And maybe it's going to be even bigger and better when they get there. But yeah. I mean, and I also cover the Red Blacks that play also at Lansdowne, and I see how many fans go to support that team, and they have had a dismal record these past three seasons. 
So that to me enforces just how how many fans would likely support another team in that downtown core, especially if it if it was the Senators. So I've always been a fan of seeing arenas move downtown. I lived in Edmonton when they moved from Rexall to Rogers. And I saw how that revitalized the downtown. I was in Winnipeg. It's so funny. I feel like I've lived in all these cities when a team's come downtown. Um, but yeah, I was in Winnipeg when the Jets came back. And holy crap, the amount of restaurants that popped up and the nightlife that increased in downtown Winnipeg. Like, that was really cool. So I- I've witnessed it firsthand. And I just, I think it's just great for a city and it increases the metropolitan vibe. Ian, when you go to watch a game there as, as a fan, what do you do for parking? Or do you take the bus in? Uh, for PWHL? Yes. So I have parked uh, just kind of in the glebe. Like there's a couple of uh, side streets where after 7 p.m. there's not the the, yes, the one hour or two hour limit. So usually I've just, when I'm if I've worked a game as a media member, I'll park in the media parking and I, I just don't like doing that when I'm not working a game. I feel like that. I don't know what. So, uh, You're a good I, dude. yeah. Uh, so I, I, but a stupid dude. Like I should also probably just park there too. Uh, but I usually just park in the Glebe. Uh, but I'm going to the game Saturday and picking up my daughter who's going to Carlton lives on Sunnyside, but I can't park on Sunnyside. So I don't know. I'll, I'll probably just park somewhere in the Glebe and, and do the walk. Yeah. Well, I do the same thing. And I just think like, man, I, and I, I don't, I haven't been to a Red Blacks game in a couple of years here now. I went to a, um, uh, what is it? Ottawa, Ottawa FC? Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. Atletico, Atletico, Ottawa. Um, but did want to go those games last summer, but I just think even like, what, so we're north of 6,000 at the game last night. And like, still mm-hmm. like how creative you had to be just to find parking around there. That's the only mm-hmm. hope whenever they decide where, if they get a building closer to downtown or in downtown, uh, what that all is is going to look like because we can't count on transit in the city. Clearly, um, I just worry about the logistical nightmare that, that can come. Like I'm all for being down there and, and in the heart of what's going on, um, but for those that are are making the drive in that that all live in the West End or, or East End over on the Gatineau side that, that have to drive to to watch their team play. Man, it's it's as I said, it's it's striking each time we go, or even for just over six thousand. Uh, people going to the game, um, how tough uh, and creative, as I say, you have to be around parking just for for going to the game there. I I guess the only thing I would add to this is someone that covers both teams. I really think the the hockey gods do not like Ottawa sports, uh, hockey teams. I think that's what I've, that's my conclusion. And hopefully they can make the playoffs this year. Um, Hey, that PWHL team is like a couple points behind, okay? Yeah, Yeah, there's still time. They, they, they the have three point system is great. Like for getting back yeah. in the race. Yeah. Um, I, I love right how now. top four make playoffs. They're right there. Right. Yeah. I love their style. Like I just see, yeah. Like the way they seems like everything's up, up and uh, fast pace. Just, yeah. They got how many posts and just near misses they have early on in games. to like get an early lead anyway, but it's, there's, they're and a lot of fun healthy. to watch. Kyle, yes. one of the, the PWHL NY players, Abby Rock, got kicked out last night. Five minutes yeah. after hitting the boards. Like it was the biggest or the first major in PWHL history. And I'm laughing, but it's just wild. But that was a violent, that was a really <laughs> reckless hit. Given yeah. the yeah. proximity to the boards, like that's like, that's, yeah, was that dangerous. was absolutely justified, right? Like, oh, yeah. for sure, awful. without a doubt. 
But yeah. I feel like people always criticize the women's game for the lack of physicality. And you're seeing, oh. but let's not yeah. count that one because that was dangerous, but it's a really, the, the, all the women say they love the level at right now, like that where it's being it, played. It's so interesting. Cause just talking to them, a lot of like the younger players are like getting used to it and they've never played with any body contact at all. And I think it's going to be really fascinating to see going forward, how like the league maybe even gets more physical in a way because the players really, kind of get more used to it um but that's mm -hmm. going to be interesting maybe in minor hockey maybe you know how that changes for for women's sport as well yeah, um is, you know sorry, what, uh, go ahead Ian. No, no, real quick what i like about it is that anytime <clears> i've watched women's hockey and there's a degree of physicality it's for the intense like sole purpose of removing a person from the puck it's not to hurt like uh, the abby rock, rock thing notwithstanding uh it's it's for the sole purpose of removing the puck carrier from the puck, and that's the way it should be. And it, it's unfortunately the NHL it's not that way all the time, right? There's a a different level of physicality, but I I've loved the level of physicality that I've seen out of the PWHL in the in the first uh, couple of months. And so I go like my wife and I go, we've got tickets, and the one thing she said, and she and she wasn't saying this um, like as a, a backhanded compliment or anyway. She just the first game she's sitting there going, she's she said like the pace is you know a little bit slower than watching NHL games. So she's going, I feel I can follow along a lot easier and kind of read the flow of the game because she's not someone who's like locked in and going, okay, what's the matchup? Who's coming on the ice next? She's a casual hockey fan, and there are tons of casual hockey fans uh, across our country. And I thought that was just a really interesting point where you know if you just you're you're not watching with the same I as someone who is so dialed into it you just watch it to be to be entertained um she said you know just the the speed that it is it's still quick and entertaining um but moves at a, at a pace that she's going oh i actually know what's what's going on um and i can follow it much easier what's also awesome is just that it's like 60 70 percent women and it's just so cool to to see the women's game and just so many young girls but also just women of all ages at the games and it's so different from the nhl of course unfortunately so just to have that dynamic i really feel like the game of hockey will just grow because they're uh, finally being uh, sold to to all genders so that's i always really i just find that so cool at all the games just seeing all the the women and, and young girls just you know out out doing the men honestly so yeah yeah and i <laughs> i don't even know Sorry, go ahead, Claire. I was going to say the league's really progressive from a rule standpoint, too. They're like, let's mm -hmm. take some interesting risks with yeah. the jailbreak rule. I love that. And then yesterday when they just announced that the top team in the after the regular season gets to choose whether they want to play third or fourth place team. Like these are things that I think are really creative and they're trying to separate themselves from other leagues. And I, I just love that. Why not take risks? Why not be really interesting? And I think it is just kind of only attracting eyeballs. Yeah, no, he said it perfectly. Um, before before I let this uh, you know podcast end and going from you know talking about uh, basements and master bedrooms, I feel like I need to to go We've to covered everything today. Yeah, we really have done everything. Um, so for people that don't know, Kyle, Ian, uh, and and others around uh, kind of the Sens Media have done trivia. Uh, a long time uh, at That's intermissions right. claire unfortunately typically is doing the broadcast during those games but yeah um that's why she doesn't join us but she's always more than welcome to so i'm gonna do we're gonna do a little bit of of sense trivia and and oh boy since 2021 
uh, 22 season till now. Uh, that's kind of the parameters of, of the, the Claire this. Hannah era, as we I call know, it. Thank you so much. I really <laughs> appreciate this. Okay. <laughs> exactly. So it's just, it's just so I have, I think I have four questions and then I have a tiebreaker. So we're just going to go around. Each person has, you know, their guests and then kind of just throw it out there. And if no one uh, gets it right, we can just kind of go from there and anyone could, it's fair game to anyone to throw out answers. Um, so the first question is, uh, since 2021, 20, 22, just cumulatively, who has the most game winning goals for the Ottawa Senators? I do. Okay. I'll say the captain. Okay. Ian. I'm going to go a little bit off the board here. Cause he's in the <laughs> news cycle right now. Give me Josh Norris. Ian, how do you do this? It's Josh Norris with 11. Seriously? Yes. Yes. I probably wow. would have taken I probably would have taken one of those two guys, but they took them, they took them first. So I Damn. I just went to the next guy who I thought is a goal scorer. Oh, wait, so, and hold on, because I guessed first. Now I don't get to guess first next time, hey? Yeah, you're you go oh, last. I screwed oh. myself. One of the wrong answer. Okay. Uh <laughs> So Ian, uh, you go first. So this question, the next one is, um, which goalie has the best goals against average cumulatively again since the 21-22 season with a minimum of five games? That five games is a shady. It, it's it's to take this out feels Dylan real Ferguson. Dylan Ferguson. I'm Ferguson. not doing that. That's not fair. Uh, I'm just, I, I'm just going to throw out Joey Decord, but I don't even feel like that's right. But I'll say Joey Decord. Wait, are we talking the senators? Yes. All senators questions. I will. Uh, <laughs> I I know Ian's is not right. Uh, I'll go Philip Gustafson. Okay, and Claire, that's, that's a good guess. I was thinking. I was wondering about Gustavus, and I feel like this could be such a trick question oh and my like God. the answer is Matt Murray but I don't want to say Matt Murray I'm going to go uh, uh, Forsberg you, you know what's crazy I, I just thought I feel like Craig Anderson might be the sneaky answer here no, or no, is no, no, he didn't play so he wasn't on so the team. Decord, wait, Decord didn't even play I know he I know. That's, what, that's why I said I knew I your answer was wrong oh jeez <laughs> I just you, you can have it. another answer. If no, you it's, oh, no, it's over no, now. He lost that one. I lost. So it. The, the the great thing is, is do you, so you, none of you got gets got it right. So now it's is Luke, it Matt like, Sogard? No. Oh man, it, none of us got we, it right. None of us got. None of you got Fair it right. Man, Elise. No. No, he's had uh, like he hasn't had five starts. Who is so, it? Uh, twenty-one twenty. Camp Talbot. Yes. Oh. Wow. Two ninety-three. Wow. Goals against average. That, I can't, that's not a win for me. That's a loss for all of us. That, that's a loss for That everyone. didn't feel right. It started when question, I said though. Joey Decord. It, uh, <laughs> and on, it, only got, it only got worse from there. And on the goalie theme, and I really, man, it could have been really off the board, but which goalie has the best save percentage for the Senators since 21-22? That's the third question. Is it the same minimum five games? Yeah. Yep. Who goes first this time? I Kyle. think it's Kyle. Yep. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'll say, oh God. 
Uh, I'll say Talbot as well. Okay. I'll say he's got both. Claire, I think it's Claire. I'm, okay, I'm going back to... I'm just trying to look at his body of work, and I feel like Forsberg might be the guy. Yeah, that's what my guess would have been Forsbergler. Forsbergler? So is that both of you two have Forsbergler? We can, you can, wait, we can We can team up? We can team up? If you have the same answer, yes. (laughs) Okay. Claire is like, I didn't agree to this at all. I know, I'm like, he's fleecing me. Okay, No, I, I, I I don't know. I would have said Forsberg, so I I don't even know who else would be even sniffing a 900. It is Anton Forsberg. You got it right. You both got it. Oh, there you go. There you go. And then the last one I think is uh, is going to be interesting. It's kind of a bit off the board, but who is the best plus minus on the Senators since 21-22 season? And it's two players are tied okay. actually at it. So. I'm going off the board, off the hop. Give me the Riddler, Ridley Gregg. Okay. You, you can have two. You, yeah, you can have two guesses if you'd like. Well, I'm going to say I know it's not Drake Batherson. Um, Let's go with Claude Giroux. Okay. Okay. So Giroux is in my head. Uh, Yeah, that was in my... Okay. That was in my mind. But there's, there's, so there's two names though. There's two names. So we we'll do it. We'll do it again. But can we both, can we get two guesses? Yes. You have two guesses. You have two guesses. And then let's go reverse order. Snake it. Yeah. Snake it. Snake it. Um, okay. Shoot. Uh, we have two Jerus and a Greg. Yeah. Oh man. I think who else? Twenty-one, twenty-two. I I'll give it. You want a hint? No. Oh, whoa! What's no, going no. on here? This guy's getting no. uh, two guesses here in the snake. He doesn't need a guess, hint. Guess guess something like Tyler Ennis. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but see, no, he was gone by then, right? No, he was yeah. there for a bit. He played. He 22. was. Yeah. Yeah, twenty-two. I remember because it's oh, my but era. he came back. They came back, I think, 22, right? 21, 22? Jeez. I'll, I'll Google this. He quick. was there in 1920, and then didn't they trade him to Edmonton? Edmonton, not the deadline. Yeah. But he came back. I'm Googling then, this. He did Yes, back, yeah, because right? the video, right? The video of Drake, Tyler Ennis, one of the best to yeah. lace him up. Yeah, one of the best. Yeah, that yeah. was during then. Uh like, do I pick? Is there a defenseman, perhaps? I'm not sure that there is. Um, give me like. Uh, I don't know. He wouldn't have been there for that long. Give me like Nick Paul. Nick Paul. Okay. By the way, Tyler Ennis was a career minus eighty four. Okay. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> okay. So my guesses are Claude Giroux, and I'll go. I'm gonna go with Brady. Brady Kajak. Okay. Then Ian. I'm torn because there's a couple guys that I think like I feel pretty strongly in Ridley Gregg because and I only say that because you remember when Jacques Martin there was a press conference right after the Ridley Slapper goal mm-hmm. and I asked him about putting it just putting him in that spot protecting one goal lead and Jacques said the kid is a plus fifteen or whatever he said and I'm like. Man, so as soon as you ask this question, I'm like, I don't know that there's many guys that would be plus 15. So I'm like, I'm going Ridley Gregg. 
Zub is another guy. Tarasenko is another guy, but I don't think Tarasenko is that high. I know. I thought about Tarasenko too, but I don't think he's there. Matty Joseph's had a good year too. I'm, 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 I'm debating Ooh. between. You know what? Based on Claire's face, I'm going. I'm going Matty Joseph Ridley Gregg because I was going to go Zub until Claire made the. I was torn on that impress- one too. That was an impressive face. So All I'm right. going. I'm going with those two guys. Unfortunately, unfortunately, but I'm only sure of Ridley. I'm only 100% sure of Ridley. Unfortunately, Ian Mendez has uh, really got very good at this game, and he got Ridley Gregg and Matthew Joseph correct. So he wins oh my the God. trivia. Uh, no, and... but, but that's Jacques Are Martin. You... That's the assist to Jacques Martin. I was so sure wow. on Ridley Gregg. Wow. So sure on years. him. Hold, hold on. So now on the topic of plus minus, does Alex and Claire, do you know the Ian Mendez-Tom Pricing story? No, no, oh, I do not. Yes, you've got it. You've got to share that one. That's one of my favorite like oh, television pieces that me as a young I think you ever came up TV with. reporter. Yeah, yeah. So back in 2006, 2007, Ottawa had a defenseman, Tom Pricing, <laughs> who they got in. He did he come over in the Martin Havlat trade? Whatever. He came over. He was he was like a spare part. He was like a sixth defenseman. Okay but he was like leading the league in plus minus at the all-star game. So I worked for Sportsnet and I pitched him on this idea. I said, you're a plus 35. I said, Would, but I was like, nobody knows who you are. What if I took you to the Rideau center with a camera? We stopped random people to ask if they know who you are. And for every person who knows you get a plus and every person who you get a minus. And he's like, yeah, I'm in. And so <laughs> We took him to the Rito Center, me and uh, my cameraman, and we just pulled random people. Do you know who this guy is? No. He plays for the Ottawa Senators. No idea. He even brought his – he really played into it. He brought his helmet. He put it on. <laughs> he was, like, showing off. I think he ended up a minus 15. And oh my God. he loved it. He loved it. Uh, yeah. That's uh, so that's creative. A really creative storytelling strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Those were back in the – the early 2000s. The early 2000s. Yeah. <laughs> now all the good ideas are gone. That was one of the good ideas back in the day. Now it I feels know. like it's a real struggle. Ian, you know, I grew up uh, watching you, you know, on Sportsnet, like every okay. day on, on. Yeah, this is Sportsnet. where we end the conversation, Alex, because you're like, yeah, man, that I hate like, and this is going to come for Claire and, and Kyle at some point. You will never feel older than when somebody comes up to you and says, I watched you growing up or i watch you in elementary school and you're oh. looking at them and you're like you're a 30 year old grown-ass adult now don't tell me you grew up <laughs> watching me because that hurts that hurts. it was it was a compliment ian yeah a compliment yeah. yeah to your years of mastery there you go um before <laughs> is there just like normally on these podcasts i i kind of let people plug uh you know where they are and, and what they're doing but you guys are all at different institutions is there anything any of you guys just want to kind of i don't even plug or just any stories you have all together that you maybe want to share as well along the tom pricing era plus minus i have no stories no stories <laughs> just... I nothing going on nothing going on okay nothing. No. Well, well, thank... no i just can't have any yeah, it's too, it was too. It was a very broad question. I was thinking of like plugging the Dover Court Rec Center, which is great, like you know, as a place to get a workout in. But that's so weird. <laughs> who's who's uh who's <laughs> who's the best uh who's the most competitive pickleball player out of the three of you? Claire. 
Yeah, I've gone into fights. Yeah. It's been it's been very embarrassing and awkward. And and is a fight? Okay, well, I'll just quickly go over this because this has been talked about, but I just want to put it up there on the record. But yeah. <laughs> okay, so I think when you're playing pickleball, there's four people. Well, you should it's it's the four of you that should determine or the person closest to the ball and the line that should determine if it's in or out. Well, I was playing this summer in a league and a bystander was like like we were having a discussion on the court whether the ball was in or out. And a bystander was like, oh, that was out. And I'm like, no, 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 get out of here. You're not involved in the game. You have, you, I don't, I don't like that. Anyway, so then we decided, okay, it's on the court if it's in or out. And then there was a ball and I'm playing at the back of the line and the ball is out and I called it out. Well, this guy I was playing against is like, no, it's in. And I'm like, you're literally 30 feet away. How are you supposed to tell if it's in or out? I'm right beside the line. It's out. And he was like, well, I don't know, blah, blah, let's replay it. And I'm like, okay, fine, we'll replay it. And anyways, but what he didn't realize is that pissed me off so much that I elevated my game because I'm like, I'm going to shove this game like down your throat and show you that we are going to dominate you. And we won, but I'm like, don't, don't even give me, what do you call it? Billboard or what's a material. And I'm like, yeah, and there's so many other plays that I'm going to be like, oh, let's replay that ball. And he's like, well, I know. I'm like, stop it. Anyways, I just, you guys have got me going now. Oh, I see. (laughs) I made the mistake of I may have sent Claire and this other person a text like a week or two after the incident trying to make a joke of it. And Claire was like, that ain't funny. And here's why. (laughs) So I, yeah. There's so many other layers to this story too, because I felt like then people were like, Claire, calm down, calm down. And I'm like, you would not be saying that if I was a dude in this position. Like, yeah. I don't know. It just got me so mad on so many levels. But I hated the bystander because I'm like, get out of this game. I'm not commenting on your game. This is nothing to do with you. I just, right. all, all I'm thinking and about is, yeah, go Kyle. I was just saying, that's that's the ultimate non-calming down tool to be like, tell someone calm down when they're fired up. Yeah. Like, when has that I, ever worked? I, yeah. That's a terrible strategy like i yeah. am going to work out after this because my heart rate is so high right now you guys i'm yeah. sorry we fired notifications hey. <laughs> on the apple watch going are you okay yeah exactly yeah, it's like, we, are you we stressed? Need, yeah we need a pickleball game amongst the four of us right here exactly yeah and somebody I, set up the teams claire is clearly the most competitive she gets or maybe i'm just the one that can't control my emotions i do i do see a lot of michael jordan uh in you with the it became personal with me yeah. and just going on a vendetta and and so i took it personally yeah yeah it's like anyway. you didn't say hi to me in the the locker room it became personal that that's claire that's claire as a yeah. pickleball player yeah well but I, but then insanely athletic that's the part that she's leaving out it's not that she's just this fiery uh competitor it's like oh by the way like the first time we played with you claire i don't even know if you remember this you actually dove for a ball and then while you were like basically on your butt, you still played the next shot and hit it over the net. I do remember that actually. And I forgot about that for a bit. Yeah. And I was like, okay, she's the real one here. Like this is, yeah. This is... Helps, it helps when you lived, you know, a life where six days a week you tra- train for six hours, you know, each yeah. day. <laughs> what's your vert? What's your vert, Claire? No, Awful. I don't awesome. want to go down this road, you guys. Okay. Or, no, we're done. Athletes. We're done. I don't we're done anymore. But I had a really crappy bird. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have uh, a volleyball player 
hockey player and a pickleball player. God, That's just call me know. old. Just don't, <laughs> don't don't say we have a volleyball player, a hockey player, and Hon- a tennis player, player. Tennis player. You, you, I played high school tennis. I love tennis. Yeah, you're a good tennis player. But then oh, I yeah. got into my 40s, and now it's, yeah, it's pickleball. It's my well, pickleball era. So we're going to, I'm just going to call this podcast Pickleball. I think that might be uh, just a shout out to, to you, Ian. But thanks so much, all three of you, for, for doing this, especially for our conversations on uh, our competitiveness uh, outside of the sports realm or the, the Sens realm. So thanks so much for all of you doing this. And I had a blast and I feel like I now know the inside and outs of, of Kyle's room as well and, and house. So I feel like I've learned a lot tonight. So uh, today, so thanks so much, all three of you for doing this and I'll, I'll see you at the rink tomorrow. Congrats on 100. Thank yes. you so much. Yeah. Congrats. How do we, Welcome how do... to podcast syndication. That's right. How did, how did we not do one of those like standard, I thought you'd be getting us to, hey, I'm Kyle Bacoskus and congratulations, or you're listening to Behind <laughs> yeah. the Play. He didn't even get you to do that. So that's that, that's, that's for my... episode 200. Exactly. I need, I need to oh, do... Ian, Alex never asked you to do that. I thought <laughs> yeah, that's you know, right. Claire and I, we were, God, after Claire practice I, he... today, we were in the hallway taping yeah. those for him. Exactly. would have got asked. I, I, Ian, <laughs> this is a little I, awkward. I, we all need a tribute video. That's what we all need. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs>